0: What's up, wrestling fans? Welcome to episode number 290 of the Smark Out Moment Smack Talk Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Tony Mango, and this is the Hot Tags edition of the week, where I'll be breaking down some current events, rumors, news, gossip, and anything else that happened over the world of professional wrestling from the past couple of days that I feel like bringing up here. So, how you all doing tonight? Make sure you leave your comments below and tell us what you think about everything that we're going to be talking about later on. And hit that subscribe button later on if you are brand new to the channel and you like what you hear and everything like that. Um, before we get started, we've been talking a lot the past few weeks about people having kids and getting engaged and so on. So not only is there some uh, congratulations to be extended to Kurt Hawkins for becoming a father recently, but I also wanted to pass on some well wishes to one of the Smartout Moment's loyal followers, John Bruce, on his engagement. Cheers, buddy, and congratulations on the upcoming wedding and all the great stuff that'll be coming along uh, with that. So with that positivity out of the way, let's go back to being a bunch of surly, bitter, angry, cynical motherfuckers. Why don't we, right? Eh? Some of you out there think love stinks. Well, I disagree, but maybe not when it comes to the idea of Bailey and Corey Graves getting together, because that's our first story to talk about tonight. There were a little bit of uh, some signs that they could be doing this last week on Monday night raw. And we uh, saw on the dirt sheets and stuff that this is legitimately a thing that they were actually considering this week on Monday night raw. Nothing stood out that seemed to be pointing in that kind of direction. So I don't know if that's something that they dropped already, or if this was kind of blown out of proportion or if, uh, you know, they're just going to pick it up next week or something like that. But I don't really like the idea behind it. I don't think that Corey Graves and Bailey need to be in some kind of a, a romance angle together. I think that Graves already has enough with his big Cass and Enzo Amore thing and his Kurt Angle thing. And he doesn't need a third one. And Bailey doing a romance story is kind of like, what are we going to do? The whole thing of like while well, she finally has a boyfriend kind of thing or something like that. I'm not really interested in that kind of drama bullshit, so I hope that if they do have plans to do this, it doesn't just fall into some stereotypes, and that they actually have like a decent plan behind it, but if they don't, and this would just turn out to be that kind of thing, I'm kind of hoping that they dropped it already. We'll see next week more so, I think, if they do have anything planned, because this week they just did not want to do anything with the women. I don't understand why. I think that their idea of following up that uh, women's Money in the Bank ladder match where there's some contro- uh, controversy over the whole idea of a man winning it, essentially. They're going to follow it up with Monday Night Raw where there's one women's segment and it's just sort of like, yeah, you can all just fucking fight each other for a few minutes. Very strange. I don't quite understand the booking behind this kind of thing. So, Maybe they just didn't get around to the romance story. Maybe there actually isn't anything there. But it seemed like there was a little bit of tension. And where there's smoke, there's usually a little bit of fire. Which, by the way, another topic that I'm not going to really make a whole thing about. But they changed the Great Balls of Fire logo again (laughs) this time around. Looks a little bit less like a dick. So somebody behind the scenes in the graphics department was like, Oh, okay. Not like a dick. That's what we're going for. Huh. Yeah, I guess I could do that that kind of thing. (laughs) Uh, I still think it's looking kind of weird. I still think that it's odd that they have, like, the red and the yellow kind of blurring into the fireball. And it still looks like two balls, essentially. But I hate the name. I hate the theme to it. I hate all that kind of stuff. So, you know, we've ran this down a million times. I don't need to talk about that ad nauseum, right? You've heard my opinions about it. On the positive side of things for the women's division, we now know 19 out of the 32 women that are going to be involved in the Mae Young Classic Tournament. Now, now technically 19 of them weren't officially announced on WWE.com. I think it was only like three or four. But, I mean, these reports kind of came out as being these are 19 of the women. And, you know, we still have a little bit more to go. But this is a sizable chunk of the amount of competitors that we're going to be seeing on here. So... To run them down, I'm probably going to pronounce some of their names wrong. Zhao xia uh, Naga? <laughs> yeah, I have no idea who she is. Z-H-A-O space X-I-A. I will never claim that I am good at pronouncing foreign names. So she is somebody I don't know a damn thing about. We have Mary-Kate. Who is Rosie Lotta Love from TNA? But thinned down, she is not, uh, you know, the big girl that you would remember from TNA. She now is much healthier and much better looking, on my uh, capacity at the very least. Uh, I don't know too much about her in ring capacity, so uh, I am excited to kind of. Well, let's put it this way: I'm excited to see all these women, whether or not I know anything about them because the cruiserweight classic was something where I ended up liking the majority of the people that were involved in that. And when we have new people pop up here and there for some other kind of things like the, the dusty roads tag team classic and stuff, it's always at the very least interesting. I think the United kingdom group was kind of weak. And I hope that this isn't the case with that, but they're not limiting themselves to just people from the UK. They're limiting themselves to women, which is, All around the globe, all shapes and sizes, all ages, so on and so forth. So they got a lot better uh, crop to pick from. We have Bianca Blair from NXT, Danielle Camilla from NXT, Sarah Logan from NXT, and um, let's see what else we have here. Uh, Kimberly uh, Kimberly is probably what she's going to be going by. She's been rumored for a long time. Julia Ho lacey evans victoria gonzalez so a couple more nxt people in the mix there tenara Mello, kairi G- or wait, am i reading that right no i am not reading that right so now i can't even read them right it's kairi hojo <laughs> uh yeah that one i'm pretty sure i pronounced okay there's marty bell who was in nxt for a little bit there mia yum or maya yum i don't know Evie, who when we were doing the Mega Maniacs chat of I think it was Monday Night Raw that she was on an episode or where she got like her ass whooped by Nia Jax. People were like, this Evie girl's pretty cute. Uh Nixon Newell, Demi Bennett, never heard of her before. Princesa Shugit Shugit. <laughs> I don't know about that one. Uh Tony Storm and my Number one, as far as I know the most about her and I like her the most because I know the most about her and we'll see about if anybody else ends up, uh, usurping that spot. But my, my top pick right now, my girl at the moment that I'd be rooting for is Thea Trinidad. She is the former, um, member of the LAX with, uh, Sarita. She was Rosita in TNA and she's married to Austin Aries. We've seen her kind of pop up a little bit here with Andrade Cien Almas. And uh, she was the B that we were always fawning over with the Rosebuds. She's the one that's playing AJ Lee in that movie about Paige. So she's been getting a lot of work with WWE-related over the years. And now that she's actually signed to a contract, I think that this is a perfect way to bring her in because you can put her in the Mae Young Classic. And whether she wins or she doesn't, and it kind of depends on where they want to go. I think that she could be a potential winner. But they might go with somebody who's a little bit less known just because that's kind of easier that way. It's sort of like maybe she gets to the finals and she loses against, like, um, I don't know, Bianca Blair or something. And that's kind of how they used to catapult her because the Trinidad has more of a following already, so she doesn't need that push as much. But we'll get to that when we get to the full breakdown of all the women and when the tournament starts happening and stuff like that. But. I like Thea Trinidad. I think she's got a lot of upsides to her when it comes to her being in WWE. And if all these women match up as good or close to as good as what she is, then we're in for a good tournament here. I'm actually really, really excited for that. I've been excited for this since they announced that it was pretty much going to be a potential thing. And even though I don't know the women, I didn't know damn near any of the Cruiserweights. And I didn't know any of the UK people. And I know a couple of people in Duts- uh, the Dusty Roads Tag Team Classic over the couple of years. Every once in a while, they'll throw somebody in there like Riddick Moss. And I'm like, who the hell is this guy? And it tends to be kind of fun to do that kind of stuff. So I like it. I like these names that I'm seeing so far as far as what I know about them. And if you know anything about them, drop your uh, comments below and tell us some information about who we, should, like, who we should look out for. If people are like, oh, damn, that, uh, that Nixon Newell really sucks. And it's a shame that she's in the the tournament or you know, whatever the case may be. Let's go to another story about the women's division, kinda more so the divas division. They just released a table for three called the Divas Champions Club, which had Maurice and Eve Torres and Kelly Kelly on it. So I just watched that before I'm recording this right now. Usually I like to give you guys a little quick breakdown of, you know, some of my thoughts about this and whether or not you should check it out. And I usually say general rule of thumb If you like that type of program, you should check it out no matter what I say, but I like Table for Three things, and I think that this is worth watching, although I will have to say I don't love this one as much as some of the other ones because I, uh, what's a good way to put this without sounding too condescending? I don't like uh, Girls' Night Gossip type of talk. It's not my type of thing. I mean, it's not supposed to necessarily appeal to me anyway. So when they start talking about like, yay, we're all married, like three cheers for getting married and let's talk about how we all want babies and then our diets and let's drink wine. It seems kind of like stereotypical, like uh, some dude wrote a script of like, what do women talk about when they get together? They drink wine and they talk about babies and getting married and how they can't eat food so they can look good. That kind of thing. And it's like, uh, you know, I think it's kind of stupid. But um, there were uh, at least like a couple of little tidbits here and there that I thought were kind of interesting when they were talking about like a little bit of road stories. The f- main thing that I thought was funny, which does have to kind of deal a little bit with what I just said, I don't like, but I still thought it was funny nonetheless, was them saying that Maurice always had this little habit where she would order a slice of like chocolate cake, eat one bite of it, and then try to pass it around. So that way it would be like, you know, like a sabotage kind of thing. I thought that that was kind of funny. Um, But go ahead and check it out if you are interested. If you don't care about these three people or if you don't care about Table for Three in general, skip it if you want. I'm not putting a gun to your head, you know. I still think that these are worth the 22 minutes or whatever it is. Put it on in the background when you're in the middle of doing something. You know, you might catch something that you find interesting. I have no transition to this, so let's just go right into it. Justin Gabriel lost a finger and broke both of his legs in a base jumping accident. Yeah, uh that sucks, dude. <laughs> that really sucks. I would never do this kind of shit um because of reasons like that. I I'm not the type of person who is into like extreme sports anyway and for him to do this kind of stuff a whole lot and apparently he had gotten some injuries before he like broke his ankles one time or something like that. I don't know why people do it. I kind of can't see the justification behind like, well, that's the the thrill of it or whatever. It's like, yeah, roller coasters are fine enough for me, but I'm not that type of person. So um, I still have all my fingers <laughs> and uh, hopefully this is not like debilitating for his career. I doubt it would be because losing a finger is not going to mean he can't wrestle anymore, but that's still like, that's awful. You lost a fucking finger, man. You'll never be able to get that back. Like you can break your legs and come back and maybe not, have any kind of issues more than likely he probably will. So that sucks. That's going to hinder him in the, uh, the ring and stuff, but losing a finger is just kind of like, all right, well, I'm, I lost a finger forever. And what are you going to do? You're going to put a carrot on there and kind of like stitch it up and be like, you know, that's my fake finger or whatever. I'm curious what finger it was. Uh, I haven't been able to find any information about which finger he lost. And, uh, I, I don't know. Let's take bets. If anybody can figure out the information, let's try to figure it out. I'm gonna say he lost his right ring finger. No. That seems a little bit too too strange. I'm gonna say he lost his right pinky. Yeah, his right pinky. That's what I'm gonna go for. Uh leave your comments below and tell me what finger you thought Justin Gabriel lost. <laughs> That's a horrible thing to be talking about. Uh here's another thing, no transitions. Fozzie has picked up some more tour dates. They're going to be busy until into November. So we shouldn't really expect Chris Jericho to be around until at least that time. And that's fine. You know, Chris Jericho can take a break. And he always says like, well, if I never wrestled a match again, then I'd be fine. But you know that he deep down, he's not going to want to do that. You know, he's going to be back at some point if he can. And you know what? as much as I like Chris Jericho and as much as I would welcome him back with open arms, whether it's raw or SmackDown that he would be a part of, I'm okay with him taking a little bit of time off. And if he comes back around like survivor series, or if he's like a special, uh, Royal rumble participant or something like that. Cool. Whatever he gets a chance to do, as long as we do get him coming back, because at some point I'm going to need that Bobby Roode match. I'm going to need that match with, Couple other people that are still in the card that he hasn't had yet, so come back and do them at some point. Uh, I'd be cool with Jericho versus Bobby Roode happening at WrestleMania, but I don't think that that's necessarily the case. But here's a little transition to go with that one. Roman Reigns gave his announcement of what he's doing at SummerSlam, and you guys have heard me bitch and complain and bitch and complain over and over in articles and on Smack Talk about how I do not, under any circumstances, want Roman Reigns against Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship at WrestleMania. Well, thank fuck he announced that he is going to fight the winner of Samoa Joe and Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam For the Universal Championship, which to me, I think, essentially, effectively rules out the idea of Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 34. At the very least, maybe it rules it out for the Universal Championship, because I don't, I can't imagine this being the scenario, alright, this is a possibility where they could do this, where it could happen, other than the idea of them just doing the match at SummerSlam and then doing the match again, but... Uh, humor me for a minute here. Let's say Samoa Joe wins the title at, uh, Great Balls of Fire. Then we have Roman Reigns versus Samoa Joe. And what does Brock Lesnar do at SummerSlam? Most likely he fights Braun Strowman. Okay, fine, cool. I think Samoa Joe should eventually be champion. And if he holds the title and that's where they go, then I'm totally down for that. I would be fine with that scenario happening because not only do I like the idea of Samoa Joe beating Brock Lesnar, but I also like the idea of Brock Lesnar fighting Braun Strowman, assuming that maybe Braun Strowman wins as long as Braun Strowman doesn't get his ass whooped. Um, Samoa Joe versus Roman Reigns. If they do that and Samoa Joe retains against Roman Reigns, then cool. I'm down for that too. Later on in the year, maybe Samoa Joe drops the title to Finn Balor, maybe he drops it to Seth Rollins or Dean Ambrose. Maybe I don't know, but I personally kind of want to see Samoa Joe versus John Cena somewhere along the lines, and I sort of wanted to see Roman Reigns versus John Cena, and you know, there's a couple of different options with some different people and stuff but backtracking again to another potential option. If they have Samoa Joe beat Roman, uh, beat Brock Lesnar at Great Balls of Fire, I don't think that they're just going to have Samoa Joe drop the title to Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. So the most likely scenario I see happening here is Brock Lesnar retains against Samoa Joe, and then he loses the title to Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. Roman Reigns was acting like such a heel on this episode. And I don't think that they're going to go full on heel uh, turn for him. Because they know that they can kind of get away with him being somewhat a heel. But not actually like just constantly fighting baby faces and stuff. So I'm assuming what we're going to get is Joe loses to Lesnar. Reigns beats Lesnar. Lesnar at say... Survivor Series fights Braun Strowman or maybe they want to save Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar for WrestleMania next year I would be down for that that seems kind of interesting and in the meantime Roman Reigns can feud with a lot of different people and he can feud with babyfaces and heels maybe he goes into WrestleMania as the champion I'd kind of be okay with that I kind of would rather somebody else go in as a champion but you know then we start nitpicking and all that and it's It essentially boils down to, if this means we get no Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, WrestleMania, I am 100% down for it. Even if that means that Braun Strowman has to take a loss at Great Balls of Fire and potentially a loss at SummerSlam. If you want to do that, as much as I like Braun Strowman, the bigger picture here is just do not do Reigns, Lesnar at WrestleMania. So I'm so happy that they announced this whole Roman Reigns fighting for the Universal Championship at SummerSlam thing. Because that to me, that means that the chances of that other match that I don't want to see happening, it's significantly lower now. And uh, speaking of pay-per-views, they announced that Monday Night Raw is going to be having the TLC pay-per-view October 22nd. It's going to be in Minneapolis, Minnesota at the uh, Target Center. So there's not really too much to talk about there except for the fact that they still... Need to announce a couple of different pay per views for the rest of the year. We know that we've got Great Balls of Fire next, and then we've got Battleground, NXT Takeover, SummerSlam, and then I think No Mercy is the next one that they've announced, but that one might be kind of like they might put something before that, maybe something after that. We know that Hell in a Cell and Clash of Champions are somewhere in the mix too, because those keep popping up on those videos, but. At least as far as what they're currently announcing, uh, No Mercy and TLC are both Raw events. So I'm kind of assuming Clash of Champions is SmackDown and Hell in a Cell is SmackDown. So that could be, say, September is No Mercy and Hell in a Cell, and October is, well, Clash of Champions, it looked like what they were trying to do is they were trying to put that right before the Royal Rumble. So that's probably December. So we do need another one for December, and we need another one for October, at the very least. So, what would you like to see? And Do you think that it's a good idea that TLC is going to Raw this year? It's another thing to leave your comments on below. We're talking a lot about WrestleMania here and SummerSlam plans and stuff, and this story doesn't really necessarily say which thing it could be applicable to, but rumor has it that WWE is planning to do a match between Kurt Angle and Triple H somewhere down the line. Uh, I would think it could be SummerSlam. I don't think that they can really stretch this out up until WrestleMania, because if they do what I think that they're going to do, if this is true, then Stephanie McMahon is the one behind the whole Kurt Angle text thing. And then Triple H eventually gets in, and that's where they do the match, because Kurt is not going to wrestle Stephanie, so they could do that kind of stuff. And they do have a little bit of time that they can build that up. So I would rather see it there. Uh, I don't know if you guys would rather see it at WrestleMania, but if they do have Kurt Angle fight Triple H at SummerSlam, I would think that two things could potentially come out of that. Number one, that means that he's able to wrestle and that he could wrestle more. I would highly doubt that he would be some kind of like regular roster member that wrestles now and again, but... They could have him fight at, like, WrestleMania again next year or something like that. And if that's the case, who would you like to see him fight? Because there could be a couple of different names. I mean, we've seen him fight Samoa Joe before in TNA, but never in WWE. I don't think I'd really go that route. I think I'd rather see him fight some people that he's never had a match with before, like Seth Rollins or... Uh, Maybe Roman Reigns a little bit, kind of depends on, you know, they can sort of do some other matches, and it's like, well, if we want to do, say, Reigns and Cena, then let's not sacrifice that to do Reigns and Kurt Angle, but just a quick scan through the roster right now, on Monday Night Raw, they would never do it, but I'd like to see Cesaro against Kurt Angle, I would be okay with seeing Dean Ambrose, but I kind of don't think that that would really be a match that would be all that great. Finn Balor maybe would be kind of interesting, but I think he's a little bit overrated in certain regards, so not really the most interested in that. I know that he said Seth Rollins was one of his main people, so I could actually see that being the go-to type of feud for him. So if we do get Triple H and Kurt Angle at SummerSlam, Then that's a potential thing to look out for. Potentially SummerSlam, uh, not SummerSlam. (laughs) Potentially WrestleMania. Seth Rollins and Kurt Angle face off. The other thing that this could come that that could come out of this is would they keep Kurt Angle on as the uh, general manager of Raw? At that point, maybe not. Maybe they would put somebody else in charge. And if they do. I kind of think it might be Corey Graves a little bit. That's maybe where they're going with here. So I'm curious if that's something that you guys would be interested in. Would you, not to say that I'm pitching for this to be the thing, but I can see this happening. I can see Kurt Angle, Triple H at WrestleMania. God damn it, I keep switching those up. Triple H and Kurt Angle at SummerSlam. And Kurt Angle is no longer the Raw GM, and instead it's Corey Graves. I think that that could end up happening. Uh, if we want to keep going down the rumor mill and we want to talk a little bit more about Triple H, there were some reports earlier this week that Triple H is frustrated with Vince McMahon with the fact that some NXT talent or pretty much all NXT talent for the most part get called up and then they get wasted on the main roster. And if you look at the way that some of these men and women have been treated when they come up. That is kind of the case. I mean, there's a lot more that they have to offer that they never get a chance to really shine with. We don't have a whole lot of cases of people coming up from NXT and being pure successes. Finn Balor seems to be doing okay. Um, big Cass and Enzo Amori, they never won tag titles. American Alpha did. Where the hell have they been? We've had Ty Dillinger not accomplish anything yet. Shinsuke is somebody that they're prioritizing, so he's doing okay. Alexa Bliss did fucking fantastic. Uh, it, it's sort of hit or miss, and Tyler Breeze is a good example of somebody who had a lot of momentum heading into his uh, his call-up, but they just dropped the ball with him very quickly. The Ascension is an awful case. They didn't set those guys up for success at all. So if that is true, I believe it 100%. I think that that makes Perfect sense. I and mean, Triple H does do a whole lot of work building these guys and these girls up in NXT, and then when they come up to the main roster, it's sort of like, yeah, but we don't have anything for you. Well, then don't bring them up at that point. You know what I mean? It's it's not something that can be purely on the writing team because the writing team does change now and again. It has to be something where it's more so Vince McMahon, and if he doesn't like somebody enough that he wants to push him or whatever. I don't know why there's no kind of like veto vote almost where it would be like, all right, well, does Stephanie and Triple H and all the other people like them? Okay, then Vince, how about you let us just kind of work this angle a little bit? But maybe that is what happens. Maybe that's what leads to some of the successes that we have seen or whatever. Of course, we're never going to know how things work behind behind the stage. I'm botching all over the place tonight. Behind the scenes, we don't know really what's going on, and this might be total bullshit. So take it with a grain of salt, but I believe it. I can see Triple H being frustrated at that kind of thing. Uh, We have three more stories here. What should I get to next? Let's talk about Impact, why not? Three people have left Impact, uh, Gregory Helms, Al Snow, and Simon Diamond, which the reports are saying the main reason why this is happening is because they wanted to cut down their number of backstage producers because they had, I think it was seven at the time, and you don't really necessarily need that many when you're not doing as much of a show as WWE is. So that makes sense, it's a financial decision. Can't really rag on uh, TNA that much more to be like, oh yeah, this is the death knell, it isn't. But it is a little bit curious that Gregory Helms is one of the people, now that the Hardy Boys are back in WWE, because we might see Gregory Helms pop up in WWE. Al Snow has his own wrestling academy. I think Helms does too, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. I don't know what Simon Diamond's up to, but it's Simon Diamond. Um, Helms, though, I could see him somewhere along the line coming back into the WWE fold a little bit. I don't know if he has like a whole lot of supporters or some detractors or whatever, but we know that with the Hardy boys in the company, that's not a bad thing whatsoever. Cause they can speak to try to get him into the mix a little bit. I don't know if I really would really want to see him in there. And if he does in what capacity, maybe tag teaming with the Hardy boys, if they're still tag team at the time, or maybe just kind of run in a little bit of uh semantics, NXT performance center stuff. I don't know. I don't think he should be some kind of like big project priority type of thing where he's getting, you know, a nostalgic run with the universal title or something like that. But uh, if we see any of these three coming into the WWE, I think that the tier goes Helms, then Snow, then Diamond. But I would rule out even Al Snow, but I would definitely rule out Diamond. Yeah, Gregory Helms is a possibility. We have news that Seth Rollins is going to be on the cover for 2K18. It's going to be released October 17th on PS4 and Xbox One, possibly on the Nintendo Switch, too. Haven't seen any confirmation about that. Um, E3 just went by, and I don't remember hearing anything about 2K18 in there, but if they want to try to piggyback off that a little bit, and they wanted to do the Seth Rollins cover, hey, Seth Rollins is fine enough for choice. I think that that's one of those things that doesn't really matter too much. I know some people get really upset about it, and some people are like, oh, damn it, it should have been AJ Styles this year or something like that. I don't really care. I think that if you're going to buy a, WWE, a 2K game, you're going to buy whatever game it is, no matter who's on the cover. You might buy like the deluxe edition because it's got a, a different person on it, or you might like the design better if it's somebody whatever. I always think that it looks a little bit generic because it's just like a guy in front of like a fiery background and stuff. But hey, uh, if you think somebody else should have been a part of that cover, who do you think should have been it? AJ Styles to me is the go-to example of like the only other person I can see because we've had Reigns and we've had Lesnar and we've had Austin and John Cena and CM Punk. And of course, we're not going to have Punk this year, but that's the only other one I can think of. Um, nobody else really, I mean, you're not going to put, as much as I like him, you're not going to put Braun Strowman on there, you're not going to put Dolph Ziggler on there, you're not going to put any of those kind of people. You're certainly as fuck not going to put Jinder Mahal on there. That is not going to be their choice for that kind of thing. So, Seth Rollins, it makes sense to me. And our last hot tag to talk about here, we're already past the 30 minute mark, is... On Monday Night Raw this week, we saw Big Cass turn heel on Enzo Amore, and I usually save this kind of stuff for, like, pay-per-view talk, but it's going to be a couple of weeks before we get around there, and we don't actually know that Big Cass and Enzo were going to have some kind of a match at Great Balls of Fire, so why not talk about it now? I'm 50-50 on this. I think that there's a lot of potential to it, and it's just more so a matter of do they really want to invest the time and the effort to make this what it is? Enzo and Cass never won a tag title in NXT or on Raw. And that kind of sucks. So that kind of annoys me a little bit. It seems like they should have won a title at some point. Now that they split up, we have one less babyface tag team on the Raw side. And we look like we just kind of got the formation of another heel team with Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel too. Titus O'Neil and Apollo Crews, are doing a kind of heel thing, sort of a tweener thing a little bit. But if they stick together, maybe they'll become baby faces. I don't know. I don't worry too much about the state of the tag team division as much as I worry about just whether or not they're going to commit to it. Big Cass turning on Enzo seems like it makes sense. And it seems like, well, he's the big guy. Of course he would turn on Enzo. He can beat the shit out of him. And he has a lot of like potential in the future. But do you think that they're really going to prioritize him and make him somebody that they push going forward more than a couple weeks? I got a feeling they were going to drop the ball. And I don't want to see that happen with Big Cass because we've seen it happen with, like say, Titus O'Neal and um, Darren Young. They had split up and Titus O'Neil looked like he was going to be getting a push. Two weeks later, four weeks later, whatever it was, Titus O'Neil is jobbing. And that doesn't do anything for anybody. That's not going to help out Enzo's career, nor is it going to help out Big Cass. Here's an interesting thing to think of. Enzo and Cass split up. Enzo and Cass no longer are tied to the tag team division. By default, Enzo kind of isn't tied to Monday Night Raw. But He is underneath that 205 Live limit, if I remember correctly. So if he uh, ends up getting into the 205 Live perspective, that could be a big character that they have going forward that they can kind of uh, bring a little bit more attention to 205 Live. He's popular and people might want to tune in to watch him like that. I think that might be a smart decision. So he might do well he might actually end up doing better in the long run than big Cass. If that's the case, because Cass is the guy he's good enough on the mic that he's not going to flounder if they give him the the chance that is. And he's a big guy, but he isn't somebody who's so boldly charismatic that he'll turn shit into gold. Like Chris Jericho tends to do. He's somebody that they're going to need to actually put a little bit more investment in as a mid card heel. I think that there's a lot of potential to Big Cass, and he could be somebody that could be feuding with, like, Dean Ambrose or Finn Balor down the line. You know, when he eventually gets to that point. Right now, he's going to have to feud with some people like Kalisto and uh, Apollo Crews if he's still a babyface, and, you know, some other kind of people along the mix there. Big Cass and Big Show should be a feud somewhere. Maybe that's going to be the next one after the Enzo one. But if they just get to the point where they're like, yeah, let's give you a match at Great Balls of Fire, but you're not going to get a match at SummerSlam, and we'll sort this out in September. You're going to lose so much momentum and so much steam on Big Cass that by the time September comes around, they're going to trick themselves, and they're going to go, yeah, but he hasn't really had anything going on the past couple of months. Do we really want to invest any time in him? And that's going to be their fault. So, if they actually have a plan of how to utilize him and how to go forward with continuing a push with him, then I'm okay with this. If they don't, and they're kind of just like throwing this out there and seeing what happens, I don't think it's going to work out as well as a lot of other people do. I have my doubts. I hope that it does, but I've watched too many people fall victim to the same thing in WWE in the past for me not to be at least a little bit worried. So, I am interested in the feud. I would like to see this work out for both people. And I'm kind of curious where the tag team division sort of fills in that hole a little bit. Maybe it's Slater and Rhino, but they don't really measure up. And I kind of just uh, need to see where they're going to be going for the future of this before I fully judge 100% if I think it's a good idea or a bad idea. But right now, if I give them the benefit of the doubt, I think there is some upsides to it. And I would have to go more with, this is probably going to end up being a good idea. So... That's it for the hot tags for this week, everybody. If anything else happens throughout the week, I'll add that into next week's hot tags, or we'll talk about it when we do the call of the spot later on this week, because that's going to be the main event. And um, yeah, that's it. So thanks for watching, everybody. Make sure to leave your comments below. Hit that subscribe button and the thumbs up as well. If you want that little bell icon and the little check the notification thing to make sure that you get aware of the next things that are going to be posted, then go ahead and do that. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Smart Count Moment. on there. Check out the website itself, of course, for everything else that is happening over on that side of things. Go to FanboysAnonymous.com for the Fanboys content. And uh, I will see you next time, everybody. This has been another Smart Out Moment, and I'm being counted out.